The Going Viral podcast from Health Ed shares the latest information on COVID-19 from authoritative voices and leading experts. You can find all episodes at healthed.com.au or if you're a registered health professional, you can listen on the Health Ed app as well as access many educational resources to support your professional development and practice. Health Ed's face-to-face seminars are starting up again in 2022. And we hope that you will be able to join us for a day of high quality learning with a lineup of great speakers and important topics in women's and children's health. I'll be chairing a number of these events and I look forward to seeing you there. Register at healthad.com.au. Hello and welcome to Health Ed's Going Viral. I am Dr. David Lim. Associate Professor Nicholas Wood explains the impending BA5 wave and practical ramifications it represents. Current Ataji developments, especially with regard to boosters, will be summarized and important upcoming developments as well. Our understanding of long COVID continues to develop and Nick will describe the latest thinking. There is new data on efficacy of the antivirals and an increase in the imperative to use them. Hello everyone, I'm Associate Professor Nick Wood from the National Centre for Immunisation Research and Surveillance and today is the immunisation update. So during the talk we'll cover these topics. An update on COVID-19, particularly the subvariants, variants uh, Targi's latest, and then some of the new data on the effectiveness of the vaccines. We'll also touch on other vaccine-preventable diseases such as influenza, monkeypox, and finally, um, what seems to be uh, old vaccine-preventable diseases like diphtheria and polio. So the first thing is the uh, strains of, of COVID circulating now. And as this table shows, this is the whole genome sequencing of virus from people in New South Wales. And you can see from uh, early in June towards the end of June, there's been an increase in the BA5 uh, variant, also an increase in the BA4 variant. So in in general, there's been a shift from uh, what was BA1.2 to BA4 and 5. So what does that mean for our vaccine preventable diseases program? I suppose the first thing to say is that this new variant, BA4.5, um, both these variants um, have reduced levels of neutralising antibodies. And what that means is that potentially the vaccines that we've got, the original strain vaccines, may not work as well. And this is a paper from the New England Journal of Medicine. And what you can see is that the uh, neutralising antibody levels against BA4 and BA5 are less than they were in the original strain. Um, so that suggests that the, uh, the vaccine may not work as well. Um, And and because of this, uh, both Pfizer and Moderna have been um, developing um, variant vaccines and and they've worked towards what's known as a bivalent vaccine. Um, And this includes the original strain, but also the Omicron strain. So for example, in Moderna, 50 microgram vaccine, 25 micrograms of it is the original and the other 25 is the variant strain. These are a good, well, fair way down the path towards um, licensure. Um, I suspect that the companies will, will be um, putting these into FDA and it might well be a couple of months before they um, get out into the market, principally in the US to begin with and then probably in Australia. The key issue really will be whether we wait to use uh, 
the original strain booster or move towards one of these variant vaccines. And, and that's what ATAGI will be considering right now. And I'll update you on the advice about ATAGI for the normal um, you know, program in, in a few slides. Uh, we also know that reinfection can be um, quite severe. And this is a paper um, called the US Veterans Study. And what they've done here is looked at the, uh, on the little column there, uh, the types of outcomes with reinfection. And they've compared those that only had one infection versus two versus um, two or more infections. Um, and in general, the people that um, had a reinfection that were originally unvaccinated or had only had one vaccine tended to have more severe reinfection. This all play, um, plays into the decision about whether or not to give uh, additional booster doses. So how are we doing with our third dose in our winter dose program? Um, as this slide shows here, um, only about 70% of Australians who are eligible for a third dose have had it. So that's the first thing we need to try and fix. Increase the third dose for those uh, eligible people from 70% up to above 90%. In terms of the winter dose, you can see on the bottom right here, about 65% of those in aged care um, residents who are eligible have had a winter. Um, booster dose and of the eligible population that are due it um, is about 60%. So there's room to move in, in that space as well. So how effective is the third dose? Well, there is a recent paper, actually Australian data, um, which was uh, published as a preprint. And what this shows is that third dose against the Omicron variant is about 65% protective against severe disease such as hospitalisation or death. So that's good news and that's why there's a strong recommendation and a desire to increase that third dose for that missing 30% of Australians. Um, now you all know that maternal vaccination is recommended um, and there was a nice paper published also in the New England Journal looking at the effectiveness of maternal vaccination amongst hospitalisation for very young infants. And the bottom line is that it's pretty good at protecting um, these infants. So, so that we can't at the moment give a vaccine to anyone under six months of age, so we must rely on the vaccination of their mothers. Um, and overall, it's about 52% effective, um, a little bit less for Omicron than for Delta. Um, so that's why there was the maternal program. So, so if a mother asks you how effective is that vaccine that I got during pregnancy, here's the answer to that question. There's also quite a new, uh, nice new paper in Nature Communications on long COVID and the risk factors for that. As you may have heard in the news, um, there are going to be long COVID clinics set up across the country, I expect. Uh, there is one in Sydney, um, and this will be important to work out who, you know, the severity of long COVID, uh, more research on how to treat people who have this. And, and what this paper really showed was that the, the people that were at higher risk of long COVID um, onto the right of this line here in this large UK study um, were shown here, and that's people that got COVID at an increasing age, were female, white, had poor, pre-pandemic general and mental health, or importantly had overweight, obesity or asthma. So they're the people that we particularly worry about getting long COVID. So on to ATAGI recommendations. Uh, there was a, a, a small change in ATAGI recommendations um, in early June and this was for the 12 to 15 year olds and, and the bottom line was that for those kids who are 12 to 15 year olds, a third uh, a booster dose um, after they finished the primary course was recommended. Um, and this is for particular groups of adolescents, those who are severely immune compromised, those with disability or severe um, or com complex health needs. Um, the vaccine that should be used is the booster is the Pfizer vaccine. 
but for general 12 to 15 year olds who don't have any health issues, at the moment a booster dose is not recommended. Um, now the other big thing that you'll be uh, discussing with your patients is that they might be eligible for this, they've already had their primary course and they've actually had COVID natural infection, so the gap between infection and the booster dose is three months. So the next thing that they might ask is how safe is this third dose? Um, and there is some evidence um, on the Ausback Safety website. This is a busy slide, but if you look at the two uh, bottom uh, columns there uh, on the graph, that's the, uh, the third dose uh, response, what you can see is that it's pretty similar in terms of side effect profile to the second dose. So, so um, if someone said, look, I did pretty well with dose two, chances are they'll do pretty well with dose three. Or if they did get some fatigue or headache or fever with dose two, they might well get the same thing again, but usually not at an increased rate. So, so that's an important thing to, to remind people. The other um, recent recommendation towards the end of May from ATAGI was um, to expand that winter booster dose. Um, and so now people who are aged 16 to 64 years who have these uh, additional um, risk factors, such as a medical condition, uh, disability or complex health needs, um, are recommended that winter booster. And as I showed earlier, the winter booster uptake is about 60%. Um, there was also a decision that you could use Novavax as a booster. But at the moment, anyone aged 16 to 64 uh, in the general population is not yet recommended to receive a booster. Um, uh, so, and that includes people like healthcare workers at the moment. Now that's being looked at by ATAGI. Um, not many countries in the world have a general program for a winter booster or a fourth dose booster. Um, and, it, and most of the countries that do have, like we do in Australia, have select groups that they're, that they're um, recommending to be vaccinated. But as I mentioned earlier, with the arrival of the um, variant vaccines um, soon, it might well be that there is a decision uh, to give a fourth dose of a variant vaccine to everyone. But I think at the moment it's watch this space. Uh, so that's really all there is for the um, update on the COVID vaccines. Um, in terms of treatment, uh, this is a, a really nice table out of the um, uh, National COVID Clinical Evidence Task Force. Um, and what it really highlights is the two key um, antivirals, um, which are the PBS listed, that's Paxlovid and Molnupiravir. Um, and, and that shows you some of the um, in detailed information about that, which I, I won't go through in the interest of time, but you can certainly have, have a look at both of those. And also to point you towards a really nice paper um, in the RACGP News, um, which is uh, basically letting you know what GPs need to know about COVID antivirals. Um, and the people that are really recommended for that are listed in the dot points here. Um, so what, what I think would be quite good advice is for your patients is to have a bit of a plan with them. So, so have a, what we're calling a test to treat plan. So if um, they do fall into these categories and they do test positive for COVID, they can very quickly access the antivirals. So, so talking to your patients, um, having a bit of a plan in place um, and a script available for them, um, if they, because the earlier you start these antivirals, the better would be an important message. Um, and then we probably heard in the news too about the, um, you moved potentially towards COVID vaccines in the um, under five to six year olds. So, so at the moment, five to 11s um, is for Pfizer, um, six to 11s is Moderna. Um, but there were two, an important paper, um, uh, both um, uh, from Moderna and from Pfizer, 
showing that their vaccine um, safety and effect efficacy in the six months to the five or six year olds was, was pretty good. Um, they've dropped the dose again. Um, and so um, it's important because we don't want to give uh, these kids um, any particular side effects from the vaccine. So both companies have been granted provisional determination by the TGA. Uh, now that does not mean it's approval, it just means that it's the first stage in the process for the TGA to, to look at uh, approving these vaccines. And it's probably a topic of the next talk that we'll come back to you um, and say that uh, this is how we would be using these vaccines. Um, the important thing, which is slightly different to the older kids, is that it will be a three-dose schedule. Um, so, so as I mentioned, TGA are looking at it for both Pfizer and Moderna. It has been announced as a program in the US and uh, we'll be able to benefit from the rollout in the US to, to look at the safety of these vaccines when it gets into the community. Um, I think the uptake or the coverage in this group will be very interesting to watch. Um, in the 5 to 11 year olds, we know that the, the two-dose coverage is only about 40%. Um, so uh, I think uh, parents, when they want to use or think about using these vaccines in their own children, will have to have some very good safety data. And so we'll be coming back to you in a future date, giving you some of the information about that. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcast, where you can always catch a high-quality lineup of speakers and topics that HealthEd has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high-quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free. You get CPD points and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthad.com.au. You can claim RACGP CPD points for listening to this podcast using the self-claim option. Log into your account on the RACGP website, go to the CPD section and click on self-claim.